This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, May 20th, 2018, episode 38. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me again from the Houston Outpost. Today, we have a special, special guest on the show today. Pat is also from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, although he is not in the command center. He's a fan of the New York Jets, forged in the alternating forces of hope and demoralization, but out of that pain is born the knowledge, and Pat is one of the most knowledgeable fans we have out there. So... Uh, we appreciate Pat joining us today. Nick and Pat spend hours endlessly debating issues of the day attendant to the National Football League, and we thought instead of letting those conversations float out into the ether, we would capture them today for your benefit. So today we're going to take a look at the, at the league and the Steelers' chances this year. So I'm going to kick it over to you guys to, to launch the conversation. I'd yeah, just I mean, like to give a little background quickly. Pat is kind of the third member of this triumvirate. Our story of making a podcast is similar to a lot of other people's stories where it's like, well, we spend literally hours every week, the three of us in any configuration, talking about this kind of stuff. And like you said, it just floats out on the ether. So we might as well be productive and drop um, knowledge on all the people who are dying for it, I'm sure by putting this stuff on a podcast. So hopefully we'll be able to get Pat going um, on podcasts going forward. And another detail is he has very good intel in depth about the hated dark empire, the Patriots being a Jets fan and seeing them all the time. So you'll get some, some of us just absolutely crushing them. So you have that to look forward to. Hey, so Pat, uh, just to introduce yourself, you want to let the fans know where you are right now, just in case some of that ambient noise comes through. Yeah, I'd apologize. I don't know if you heard the dog barking. I'm on the uh, D.C. Southwest waterfront. It's a beautiful new uh, part of D.C. that opened up in October. It's, and it's, we finally uh, got some sunshine, so that's where I am. So I apologize for the, as you said, ambient noise. Hope it's not too distracting. Nah. Not at all. It adds a little flavor and character to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you so, go. gentlemen, what are the Steelers' chances? Who are we facing this year? Who's going to be the main contenders? Okay, so just a little kickoff. I wanted to, since right now this is legitimate doldrums, I don't really care so much about the rookie numbers, even though, you know, you have Washington, our wide receiver, taking number 13. It doesn't look great on his body, honestly. That's for a more sinewy type of guy. But I digress. I think right now what we got to look at is if you want to understand the Steelers' chances of winning a Super Bowl or kind of judge how good they're going to be i think you have to know a little bit about the rest of the league or at least about the top of the league i have a theory that there are eight to ten teams who are eligible to win the super bowl every year i think anyone outside of that top 10 
you might get in the playoffs or this or that, but they really don't have any chance of winning at all. I think the top five teams are kind of the ironclad guys where they're definitely going to be in the mix unless there's a disaster. And then number six through 10, there's kind of a varying level of chances they have. So, Pat, I just wanted to ask you, who do you think in no particular order those top five teams are this year who have a chance at winning the Super Bowl based on the roster and where they're at? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all the teams we, we talked about earlier. I mean, you're talking the Patriots, obviously, in it every year. Uh, and then some of the other teams made the playoffs last year and see a small window to double down. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would be the Jaguars who seem to just load up in free agency. The Rams who did the exact same thing. Obviously yep. the Eagles again, who get back their MVP quarterback mm-hmm. after winning a Super Bowl with their backup. Um, and I'm trying to scroll through those yes, are my top tier teams that are definitively in the running. So you got Patriots, Jaguars. Did you say Vikings? Vikings. I always forget about yeah. the Vikings. You always have to remind me of the Vikings. That's right. Because um, I keep forgetting they got Kirk. And yeah. you know my feeling. I'm not the biggest believer in Kirk. I haven't mm-hmm. seen him win um, in pressure situations. But either way, they've upgraded their quarterback to a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, which with that defense is going to be, make the NFC really competitive and fun to watch. Yeah, and good for us that they're all in the NFC and we can just kind of pick off the scraps in the AFC. I to- So we totally agree about the top five teams in no particular order. So just to recap for you guys, um, Patriots, boo, Jaguars, um, Vikings, Rams, and Philadelphia Eagles. And here's the thing that all of those teams have in common, except for one. The Patriots have the least talented roster of those teams, but they obviously have – uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum still running the show over there. So if you're not an idiot, which I don't think I am, they'll be <laughs> they're definitely going to be in the running, unfortunately. Right. But the rest of those teams, those four other teams we talked about, the thing about them is they are those are just the most stacked rosters in the NFL in which there are really no glaring weaknesses, especially if you look at the Vikings. The Vikings are a crazy team where they have. Pro Bowl caliber players at literally every single position on the roster from running back, receiver, quarterback. Their offensive line isn't hugely strong, but they're good. Their defensive line's unreal. Linebackers, multiple pro bowlers, cornerbacks, at least one pro bowler and safety. They have, you know, Harrison Smith, another pro bowler. So all I did was just tell you all the positions on a football field, which I'm sure you guys know. But those are the those teams are loaded at every position as opposed to like a Steelers who might be a little bit top heavy on the offensive side of the ball or, or the chiefs who have this incredible nucleus of talents on offense, but you know, still major holes on defense. And I like what you said about teams who have a window and are doubling down like the Jaguars and, and the Rams and the Vikings being so aggressive in free agency and kind of mortgaging the future on like, let's go all in right now. Well, that's what you get. You get a, basically a super team, right? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is most of those teams have set a quarterback seemingly right. Except for the Jags. You know, I was just thinking this about this, Nick, uh, pretty much all those teams, except the Patriots, this kind of builds what you just said, can sustain an injury and keep on moving forward. There's not like one guy, like if cousins goes down, the Vikings are so low to everywhere else. They can Mm -hmm. probably keep that train running. Uh, same thing with the, with the Rams. They wouldn't be in our top five anymore, but they're still playoff caliber. Yeah. 
That's so huge because we also talk about this on the podcast a lot, and you and I talk about it, where the NFL, it's so difficult to win a championship, and it's even difficult to determine how hard a schedule is, like before the actual season is is going. Really, it's hard to tell how hard your schedule is at any point because, for instance, last year we had the Packers on the schedule. You kind of assume that's either going to be a close game or a loss, and Aaron Rodgers a few games before gets injured. So that turns from a really difficult game into a game you're almost definitely not going to lose. Well, like you said, we've seen the Steelers have a couple opportunities probably within the last year for this for a Super Bowl appearance get wiped away from us by key injuries, usually to one of the killer bees or then now to Ryan Shazier, you know, at, at key times. And uh, what you said is that's why we have those teams in the top five is like they could even sustain injury at a position or two and still be rolling. Right. So what? OK, so that's the top five. What do you think about like the next two or three teams who have a chance to win it? So I think, I mean, you said two or three. I'm thinking next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Falcons were in the NFC Championship again last year. What's kind of weird is Matt Ryan seems to do in every other year. Kind of thing. If, you, if you look at his. Uh, no, I think they were in the conference. Wasn't. Yeah, they it was um, Eagles versus Vikings. Oh, Vikings. No, you're right. You're right. They went. Yeah. To, they they almost beat the Eagles. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Lost. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they get everyone back. Everyone. And that Super Bowl run and their defense was young when they made that Super Bowl run and they're more experienced now and hopefully a year um, getting used to not having the gift of Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. They, they should be better. Right. Uh, Saints, I would say, with, you know, Drew Brees finally has a defense in a running game. Yeah, I think you and I were talking. I mean, he's he's not what he once was, but he's still, as he showed in that Vikings playoff game, when you need him to make passes to win you the game, he can still do it. Yeah, and they should have been in the championship if it weren't for that just right. abomination of a Vikings miracle in the last I play. Mean, biggest uh, boneheaded play maybe in the history of the NFL. Again, uh, and you look at their team, and here's the thing with them. They have playmaker their, – their roster is so solid. They don't have like this one question like the Steelers have on inside linebacker where you're like, I, we got two mediocre guys starting there. They have – their draft was absolutely unreal last year. They got like three pro bowlers in one draft. They had a lockdown cornerback in Lattimore. They got, um, I, I'm totally, I keep blanking on the offensive lineman's name, but they got a pro bowler on the offensive line. They got uh, Alvin Kamara at running back. So they just, and then they have Sean Payton and Drew Brees, who they're kind of Patriots, Patriots-esque in the fact that you know they're going to put up some points on every team, if not, you know, the 40 point days of before, right. they're still going to score. You know, and I think you have wild cards, you know. So if we had this conversation last year, no one would have said the Eagles are in my probably even second tier. Definitely not right. first tier. No one would even mention the Eagles. And I'm kind of starting to think through, well, who are those teams that are going to could be wild cards? I'm with, you know, the Niners, Chiefs yeah. and Texans with who they have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, if Watson comes back and continue to on the uh, path he was on before he blew out his knee last year, yeah. you have one of the most expo- best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, um, And then Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. I think those are three teams that could get hot, make the playoffs, and have the quarterbacks to sustain them. Probably throw the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation yeah. as well, right? There you go. So yeah. I, I think that maybe some of the listeners are thinking what I'm thinking right now. I can't help but uh, feel like you're forgetting someone 
in this contender list. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was. I, I thought we were saying who's going to contend with the Steelmen. Of course, okay, that's right. Bringing yeah. back the best running back, the best wide receiver, one the of the top quarterback. five quarterbacks, best yep. quarterback, excuse me, yep. in yep. the NFL, uh, <laughs> always gives yourself a chance. And you know, yeah, you guys talk about it at length. So uh, you know, I think they're in that second tier with an offense like that. If they get hot, yeah. I mean, it's you just need your defense to make a few stops. The question is, can they can their defense make a few stops? I think that the Steelers are almost becoming kind of a boring topic in in NFL wide discussions because it's like we've been having the same discussion for the whole kill, killer B era the past four years at least. Where, yep, we all know it. They got X Y Z. They got the best running back, quarterback, receiver, killer bees, great offensive line. They're going to score points. This that. Let's just hope their defense doesn't totally implode or those stars don't get injured. And so far. Those things have happened every year. I mean, last year in the playoffs was the first time where we had all the killer bees. We had every single offensive player healthy. Get this, man. We had every single starter on the team. We had no injuries, even the backups, except for one guy. And it was it, he was the honorary killer bee of the defense, obviously. Shazier, the superstar, and you saw that fall apart. But that speaks to what we were saying about those top five teams. And just because we haven't put the Steelers in that top five definitely doesn't mean we – we don't think they can win it. Like you were saying, it's just going to be dependent on a, on a few more things. I think um, the Steelers, their ceiling is so high. I mean, you look at what Ben did to the Jaguars, to the best defense in the playoffs last year, just made absolute mincemeat out of them. But there's more room for error and injuries to kind of de- derail the Steelers. I, f- I think that they have like a smaller margin for error, but we all know they're going to be in the mix. Right. Yeah. I mean, so question you. What is their kryptonite? Is it a team with a really potent passing attack? Is it a team with uh, yes. a stacked defense? Is it a team yes. with a- <laughs> No, it's not. Here's the thing what it's not. And this is why I like the Steelers against any other team because I don't know if anybody else can say this. The, a stacked defense does not scare me as a Steelers yeah. fan. You could, as good as your defense is, no matter how good it is, we're going to put points up on it. And right. so that's cool. The only problem is our kryptonite is anybody who's played quarterback past the high school level. (laughs) And that's why this year is looking a little different. Last year, the quarterbacks we played, they weren't just bad. It was bizarre how bad they were. So we played Brady and Stafford, who both tore us apart a little bit. And then besides that, we didn't just play bad guys. We played just just crap fest quarterbacks. We played Deshaun Kaiser twice. We played Brett Huntley. We played a, a bunch of really bad guys. And this year, our schedule, the way I judge schedules is off of like what quarterbacks are on the other team. Cause I know I said the thing about Rogers getting hurt last year, but usually you can kind of assume you're going to you play the quarterback and we play the NFC South this year. So that's, that's a gauntlet. You have Winston's yeah. the worst quarterback in there and he's, he's good. And obviously breeze Cam Newton and Matt Ryan and, Obviously, we played Tom Brady again and, and some guys like that. So that's what we're scared of. But there's definitely room for improvement that we've been talking about to Steelers fans. Like the defense, has, Joe Hayden has an extra year on the defense. I think we have a little bit more depth everywhere, although the Shazier thing kind of sets us back a year. And then our, our offense actually could get even better. Like you have Juju's in his second year. You have the real secret weapon, Vance McDonald who is a beast. I've been telling you about him. He had 10 catches for a buck 15 in the right in that playoff game. And he's a great run blocker. And now we have the, the feet man, the feet master at offensive coordinator 
Randy Feetner, and hopefully he doesn't have the random sporadic aneurysms that Tom Todd Haley had, you know, with his play calling. So Steelers could get even better on offense, which is crazy. Do you think that so their loss to the Jaguars in the playoffs to, to Bortles? Did you see it as like a one-time thing, or like a, a truly scary moment where you're thinking, "Wow, I mean, maybe this is the, the best we can get." And uh, I, I don't know. That's what the way I like? definitely felt about it at the time. Like, wow, if you put up this this many points on the Jaguars and you still lose because our defense was absolutely embarrassing that was the whole story of the game is how easy and how wide open the jaguars receivers were in the running game they did whatever they wanted wanted to us on on offense but you know honestly ben got strip sacked in the first half and the ball took the most unbelievably lucky bounce to their fast to telvin smith the fastest linebacker in the league and he ran that touchdown and so it's like if you played them i know we lost to them twice last year but even I thought that first game was a little bit fluky. I think they might have won, if I'm being honest, the Jaguars might have won, you know, six out of ten. But I really think you would split with the Jaguars. And now we're a little bit more organized. So I'm not scared to go against them next year. But it was alarming from the defensive perspective. So you mentioned your, your tough schedule. Do you yeah. think there's anybody within your division that could come out of nowhere, kind of going back to those wild card teams? and challenge you for the division because the schedule, there are only two games that matter that are that, that, that rotate every year, depending on your, on your record. Um, with the Ravens. Sure. Yeah. So I'm saying, is there any team you think could come out of nowhere and maybe challenge you for the division? Uh, I think for the, that division? the other three teams in the division are still one year away from kind of snatching it back from us or something. Yeah. Um, obviously you want to, uh, everyone's going to talk about the Browns. Here's my thing. I, it's hard for me to see us going 6-0 and again this year against them, but I think I definitely think we could. I think we're the best team there. Everyone's going to want to talk about the Ravens, but I just wonder what's going to happen with them this year. Are they going to be brave and pull the trigger to Lamar Jackson early? Are they going to kind of have a back-and-forth thing with him and Flacco? The one I'm looking at is the Bengals. Nobody's talking about the Bengals. They're going to be a lot better this year. They're going to have the criminal Joe Mixon as their running back. He's a really good player. <laughs> they got Jesse Bates at safety. They got... um. I'm totally blanking on the defensive end from last year. They drafted a total steal, one of the best defensive rookies outside of Bosa. So they're kind of loaded back up again. They're not as like terrifying as they were, you know, a couple years ago, but they right. could steal a game from us. And any one of those AFC North teams could steal a game from us. And you know how it is with your division. But I do think the Steelers are still just the superior team in terms of talent and experience in the division, thankfully. What do you think the chances are they still stay healthy again? Who knows? I think yeah. it's a great <laughs> chance. I think they're going to be super healthy. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, Jackson. there you have it, the, the unpredictable. It's hard to believe, though, that they can stay that healthy two years in a row based on they're going. everybody's history. Come on, man. They're definitely going to. Okay. We well, some, some of us have to have dreams. We can't crash the dreams. I, I understand that. Crush our crush our listeners' dreams. And we got some depth, sort of. Even though I told Maybe. you last episode that we don't have any depth. You are the crusher of dreams. So <laughs> I'm trying to reverse that role here, and you're okay. bringing me right back into okay. it. He's well, we are very positive. Fan. We are very positive about our <laughs> prospects because just as the probability of injury applies to us, so it applies to the other 31 teams in the NFL. Yeah. Most importantly is that it appears that uh, the quarterback is the fulcrum of each team, and we, we have been talking about the QBs that the Steelers faced last year, and Quite fortunately, didn't face many guys who 
actually look like they played Division One football. What does it take to get a franchise quarterback? I mean, that, that story was front and center during the entire draft season. Okay, so Pat, I'm, I'm pitching this over to you because we've had this question before, and it's perfect time to talk about this with the Steelers for some reason drafting Mason Rudolph, who I don't mind as a player. I just hate the timing of drafting him. And we've talked on this on this podcast before, like, when do you draft a quarterback as like a successor to, um, to you know, a, a legend that's leaving like Ben or Brees or someone like that? And like, what's the best way to go about getting a quarterback and, and maybe setting up your team to win in the future? I mean, yeah, I think, I think the, the ideal way is to do what the, the Packers did and what the Patriots were hoping to do when they drafted Garoppolo. You just have to, I think you want, to, if, I think you want a stud quarterback to begin with. That's the, this is the ideal situation. And you, you get the feeling he's got two more years left. Uh, if it's around there. Maybe it's three, maybe it's one. But uh, if a quarterback sort of falls in the draft, yeah. falls in your lap, I think that's why the Patriots pick Garoppolo second round. They probably had him draft, you know, rated in the first round. Lamar yeah. Jackson with the Ravens, they probably weren't thinking of drafting him because Flacco's got a few years left, but now he falls. Uh, yeah. And obviously Rodgers with the Packers. I think that's the ideal situation. You don't need a quarterback. You've got an, an older one, and you see a guy who's fallen that you have more highly rated. Um, that's a great you know, point. The fact that they those guys all fell and the Ravens drafted a tight end before they drafted Lamar Jackson. So it wasn't exactly in their plans. And the way the Steelers have talked about Mason Rudolph, they said they had a first round evaluation on him. Uh, everyone could debate about that. It was surprising that he slid to the third, though. Yeah, I mean, if they have a first round evaluation on him, I guess I can't um, fault them too much for drafting him. If they think Ben's only got a few years left, but the, I mean, then you have to be honest with Ben. I mean, that's a conversation yeah. I think you have to be having maybe every off season. How much longer do you think you think you're going to be playing here? Because if Ben says five years, you know, you, you look at the, the past, they lost out on what could potentially be a pro bowl quarterback for his entire career in Garoppolo because they just timed it incorrectly. Yeah, absolutely. And they're talking about that with, uh, with Ben right now. And, People, uh, Ben said he wants three to five more years. And I think a lot of us think five is kind of excessive for him based on his cheese doodles diet. Uh, he's not really <laughs> doing what Breeze and Brady do body-wise. But then again, they're not made of the same metal that Ben's made of. Ben <laughs> is 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 like Pierce Brosnan mixed with Clint Eastwood. He was just built differently. You know that Warren Sapp never – he didn't work out <laughs> They talk Chris Sims on Sims and Leftco podcast. They talk about that a lot. Like Sap didn't really lift. Uh, Randy Moss didn't stretch or lift. Some guys can just walk out there and just do their thing, and that's what Ben is. So maybe he can last five more years. But the bottom line is, it really looks like he's going to be there for minimum two to three. So it seems like the timing of drafting this guy Mason Rudolph, who I wouldn't compare to a talent of like Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers, who are known like super stud talents. Um, I, I just feel like the timing was a year or two off. Yeah. You know, it can go both ways. You know, you look at the giants did the giants sort of did what you wanted to, right? I, I mean, they're a different team yeah. from the standpoint of the Steelers are ready to win now. Right. So it, it's a true, um, tough, difficult decision where the giants and you and I've talked Eli is over the hill. What yeah. they did, they, they drafted Barkley to help them win now. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly think the position you don't want to be in is a position my Jets are in every year where you just stink. You never find your quarterback and you just get, you know, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. 
and you hope that you pick the guy who's going to become Carson Wentz and not the yeah. guy who's going to become Mark Sanchez. Damn it. <laughs> do you think they drafted Mark Sanchez again this year? Oh, yes, I do, Nick. You and I talked about this. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, uh, a USC QB who made his name Sam off Darnold, of, everybody, by the way. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Uh, a USC QB who made his name off of one incredible Rose Bowl, both against Penn State. You know, I said this months ago when I was, uh, I feared they're going to draft him. A guy who's got some mobility out of the pocket can sort of throw on the run. Um, they said Mark Sanchez had the demeanor. Six uh, two, handsome guys. Oh well, Donald's well, face looks like a I'm pepperoni. Pe- yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they're the same guy. Donald looks to have maybe a bit more uh, better anticipation skills and the ability to, you know, create in and outside the pocket. But I mean, he's a turnover machine, which is what Sanchez turned into. They mm-hmm. both. Um, did not have a lot of starts in college, which is one of the more accurate predictors of success in the NFL. Hmm. You know, um, that's one thing Bill Parcells always used to say, you know, when he, when he picked a quarterback, he wanted to draft, you needed, I think at least three years of starting experience in uh, in college. Yeah. Like these eight rules. And and that was one of them. Like these, if they, have they started for three years? Have they done this? Have they done that? Is their face, Smaller or larger than the football. <laughs> Darnold's case, obviously, it's even larger than the average helmet. But that could be it. It's a strong. That's like a Thanos-looking jaw there. That could be a positive, honestly. <laughs> I think Thanos is uh, is a better-looking guy than uh, than Darnold. But uh, Darnold's face looks like a pepperoni pizza. It's been left out overnight. But um, I would say. So here's my question to you about developing a quarterback. Yeah. Do you think it's better? to throw him into the fire, like, you know, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, or do you think it's better to have him sit and learn a la Rogers Ben to an extent, you know, for part of the season while Maddox was there yeah, it was only and uh, Garoppolo. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, I thought but, it was like half a season. Nope. They were like, ah, get this guy in here or God was because three other quarterbacks got injured. And then they're like, well, I guess <laughs> we got to right. put this guy in. And thank goodness. Um, you know what, man, recently, um, obviously for the Steelers, I think you just released this guy right away and you don't waste your time, but, um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, from like a drafting a quarterback in the first round perspective, I've been swayed recently to say, man, just throw him in. That's kind of the way it happens. You saw people had struggles, obviously Peyton Manning. We, we all talked about his terrible first year, Troy Aikman, um, different people like that. And just the way that the NFL works now, quarterbacks are a little bit more ready to get in there and, and the biggest most valuable thing for them is experience. Now, maybe it depends on where they're coming from because some quarterbacks are coming from college systems where they're not used to calling long plays and uh, or really calling plays at all. They just use hand signals and stuff. And maybe then that could be beneficial for the guy to sit on the sideline and, and get a little bit of a handle over that, maybe even just for half a season or something. But uh, obviously Mahomes, he sat the whole year in Kansas City, but that's because he had a stud in front of him. A relative stud, Alex Smith. But I think you got to throw these guys in. So let me let me ask you this. Just moving it back to the Steelers, um, probably we can kind of wrap up on this topic. But I, my feeling on on drafting a quarterback to succeed your your guy, like if you're going to try to succeed Ben or Brady or someone like that, is that you just you don't even draft him until the Ben tells you he's going to leave after that year, or until Ben actually leaves, and you just. You're going to lose, Ben. Your team's going to probably fall apart a little bit, if you're being honest. And you let that happen. And I know that sounds sort of like tanking and, and 
maybe that's what it is, but it's more like, yeah, that's just the, the way the NFL works. I think it's kind of valuable to just let yourself suck for a year or two. And then if you get a high draft pick, if you're in the top 10 draft picks, you can build a, a super team almost immediately. Because remember, if you have a top 10 draft pick, not only do you have access to those top 10 quarterbacks, but your second round picks in the top 10. So that basically turns into a first rounder. Your third rounder basically is a second rounder, right? And then you have a quarterback with a high pedigree who's on a rookie deal. And you have a lot of higher pedigree guys instead of like what the Steelers do now, which is draft at the end of every round. You're talking the Browns model, right? Yeah, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty much the Browns model. Hopefully so, not as long as the, as the sucky Browns because they screwed up so many of those drafts. But, yeah. See, I think football is different because, uh, you know, you and, I, you and I have talked. You can turn your team around if you knock the draft out of the park and you do that two to three years in a row. Yeah. But, only, you know, rookie contracts last three to four years. The first rounders, you have the option for the fifth. I just don't think that's, that's a good model. I, you know, I think you want to – you want to ideally you're your team that has a system like the Patriots have. And I think the Eagles right. have, we'll see as more years pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let me ask you this. If the Steelers drafted Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. if they traded back in the first round and drafted Lamar Jackson, would you be as angry? Uh, probably because I think that Lamar Jackson is a quarterback that if he was on my team, I would want him to play. Starting pretty right. soon. Yeah, I mean, he played in a in an NFL-type offense at Louisville, and then that to me is really like, wow, you could have gotten a first-round starter at another position in a Super Bowl year when Lamar is not going to be as good as Ben this year, probably. I mean, he could he could do a Deshaun Watson-type thing. Who knows? But, um, yeah, that would have been even more frustrating, I think, especially sacrificing a first-round pick for that. That would have really been a bad decision in my mind. You know, the, the team I always look to, and we hate them, but it's the Patriots. We do you know? hate we do them. They play the long game. You know, they play yeah. the long game and it always works out. That's why they're able to sustain success because they sort of dispose of players that um, – who is it, D.N. Chandler? Is that his name? Yeah. He went to, to – uh, Chandler Jones. He went to Arizona, one of the best young defensive ends in the league, but, um, yeah. you know, who could have helped them win now. But they want to they wanna sustain that program for not just tomorrow or, or – or you know, today, but for several years going. And so yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, but I am sort of supportive of, you know, you think you got a guy who slipped, grab him. Yeah, fair let enough. Him learn under Ben. And the sad thing is, is, you know, maybe down the line, Nicky John, he put him in preseason games. He he's, uh, replaces Ben when Ben gets injured, hopefully for only a game or two, puts up some great stats. Now you have draft capital. You can switch him out for a first round or something. Yeah. Like, so, well, they got him in the third at least, and not in the first. So that 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 applies to your slip theory. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Go ahead, UT. Well, uh, it's been a scintillating conversation. I've yeah. learned a lot, as you could tell by my abject silence during the podcast. Pat, <laughs> I really want to thank you for taking a break on your bike trip. Uh, sounds like it's getting a little windy down there by the airport, or you're further past the airport, right? Uh, I'm at the, well, I can see planes coming down, but yeah, I'm uh, somewhat near, not, not near enough where you could hear the planes. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the sunshine and the bike ride. And uh, we're going to have you back on here. This, this makes for much better content. I always love it. Always a pleasure. All right, so, guys. 
To our listeners, thanks for listening to the show. Each week we bring you this podcast. Once again, we're bringing it on a Sunday. I'm traveling to Philadelphia in about an hour. Sorry. Uh, So we weren't able to get out tomorrow night. Uh, We'll be back again next Tuesday. So again, we're striving to make this show as informative and entertaining as possible. We'd love to get your feedback. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave a note on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Go Steelman. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.